0: Hey everyone, please be advised that this episode contains discussions around spiritual abuse, religious trauma, and other sensitive topics. The content may be distressing or triggering for some individuals, so if you feel uncomfortable or find these discussions distressing, we invite you to prioritize your mental health and well-being, and consider skipping this episode. This is the Touchy Subjects Podcast. My name is Aaron Billings and I am your host. In this episode, we're going to be talking about spiritual bypassing and how it impacts those of us that have chronic illness. I have Brooke Grad and Tay Francis as guests. We had a lot of fun recording this episode and I hope that you enjoy listening to it. Welcome back to the Touchy Subjects Podcast. I am here with some of my favorite humans today. I'm so excited. We are talking about chronic health issues and how people in the church can learn how to better handle people that have them. I want to introduce my friends to you. These are people that I know and love and you will know and love them by the end of this episode. So Brooke, why don't you go ahead and go first, introduce yourself, tell us your deconstruction story.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Aaron. It's always fun to be on a podcast with you. My name is Brooke and Erin and I met at a small, small university and my health and deconstruction stories kind of started there for all intents and purposes. I've always been curious since I was a kid and a learner and this like innate desire to be good. Um, So for the most part, I was a rule follower. I wanted my parents to be happy. I wanted God to be happy. I wanted, you know, the people who were important in my life to be happy with me. At age 20, I got sick very suddenly and ended up needing (laughs) a liver transplant. And that was the first time I remember like saying, this doesn't make sense to me. Why would God let this happen? And, and other people spoke to me and things just, you know, when you feel it in your gut, you're like, oh, that's not, that's not God. I don't like that. Um, that's where it all started for me. And it's been continuing for the past 18 years. 18 years. My God, has it been that long? Yes, we're old. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much for being here. I cannot wait for you to share your wisdom with everybody because you have a lot of it. And here's my friend, Tay Francis. I'm excited for you guys to hear from her. Tay, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and share with us a little bit about your story?
2: Thank you so much, Erin. I really love when we get together and we do all of these things and all good together. So that's fun too. So, I'm Tim Francis. I am a writer and a researcher, and I do a lot of human design work in terms of coaching and readings. And I grew up Catholic. I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. It's a very overwhelmingly Christian society. So, Christianity and Catholicism was part of my life from a very young age but it never really sat right with me because I also grew up in a multi-ethnic society. So there's a lot of different religions that I was exposed to really young growing up. So I basically got confirmed just to leave the church because that was the condition that my mom gave. She said, you had to get confirmed, you had to do confirmation and then you can make your own decisions about going to church so that's what i did and my chronic illness story started probably as a young as 10 years old i was sick very often as a kid but it really intensified in my 20s when i started having gallbladder problems so it's, it was funny to hear brooke talk about liver problems because Kind of the same area. And that led to me leaving my job and kind of losing everything in my life and having to start over.
0: Man, chronic illness, it can take so much away from us. And something that I've noticed throughout my chronic illness story, and so for those of you that don't know me on a personal level, I've struggled, like Tay and Brooke, I've struggled with chronic health issues for a long time. Uh, I mentioned it in a previous episode. I believe that a lot of my unprocessed trauma from childhood and beyond really manifested in my body. And I remember having the barium test at like six years old. My grandmother called it a nervous stomach but I would actually say that I was storing my trauma in my stomach and that's what caused a whole bunch of different issues. Of course, the health issues continued in other areas beyond just say my stomach, but my chronic health issues impacted my life greatly. It impacted my ability to work. It impacted my ability to have relationships It impacted so many different things. But something that I've really noticed is that our chronic health issues don't just impact us, it impacts the people around us. And I didn't really notice that until I started treatment. And my mother was there and she was crying. This was the day, this is my first treatment. I go in for the IV and I tell my mother You're never coming back with me because she was just an emotional mess. And at that age, I didn't know how to process my emotions. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want to deal with their emotions and mine. And so that's when I started shutting everybody out. But that was when I really picked up on the fact that my health issues impact the people around me. So I want to ask you guys, how have your health issues impacted the people in your orbit? Tay, I'll ask you to go first.
2: Oh, so, so much. They have impacted everybody who has known me. I think at the height of my chronic illness, which would have been during the COVID pandemic, is when everything came to a head and I was hospitalized multiple times. I had multiple surgeries and it got really bad. My partner at the time, I think, took the brunt of it because I was just ill all the time. I had dropped close to 50 pounds in a couple of months and I couldn't cook for myself. I couldn't do anything for myself. I had no strength in my arms. So... He had to do everything for me. He was basically my caretaker at that point. And then I had to leave my job. So not only was he my caretaker, he became the sole provider for the household. And that took a toll on him. It took a toll on our relationship. It took a toll on his family even because there were instances where his father had to take me to the hospital. And that's how deep it went because it wasn't just him in my orbit. It was his family as well. It was my family as well. So it just is so far reaching and it affects everybody that you touch.
1: Absolutely. Brooke, how about you? It does affect everybody that you touch. And when I was in school, I was a single person and, had you know, my friend groups and then like my church family back home, which was where I grew up. So I had a lot of people who knew who I was, wanted to be involved in my life. And so that was kind of the first, the first one was like, oh, and I saw it in a, a caring for them way. Like they were involved, but not negatively impacted. They were involved and helped and supported. What got difficult for me was thinking about the future. Because at 20, I'm halfway through school, I had very big dreams for myself and marriage was not in my plan originally. My husband and I laugh about that quite a bit Um, because looking back, I was putting up this protective wall for people around me. I didn't want to marry someone and put all of the burden of me, which is how I felt at the time onto them because there's no way to explain being a caregiver until you're a caregiver. And, you know, I've been married 13 years now and it's like one of those, every day there's a new layer that you uncover and it can be frustrating to try to communicate in a way like I'm chronically ill and my husband's super healthy and my kids are super healthy. And so learning for me to communicate what I need and want helps them and for them to say like, I need a break because this is too depressing for me. (laughs) Like those things are important. And now now I've got my family who all live near me that help pick up the slack when I'm unable to function fully at my capacity. And I have my husband's family nearby too. And it's like, you know, when you throw a pebble into a pond and you see the ripples go out, like I kind of see that my social circles in that way like the biggest ripple is that first drop. And that's like my family and my people, like the ones who know me, good, bad, ugly. And as it goes out, it's still affecting people. But by the outside outside ring, you get the folks who are like, you're such an inspiration. I don't know how you do it. Like all of that. Um, and as you're closer to the person uh, in the center, it's like, oh, this is real. This is real. And today was one of those days for me uh, where I was like, hmm, I don't feel great. I'm going to sleep all day so that I can record this podcast and I'm not going to look cute. Uh, like if Aaron wants to <laughs> pull some clip, video clips, like this is, this is part of how I'm living my life now is by saying like chronic illness can be invisible, but it, I also like can show up with what I have and, and still be able to have conversations like this.
0: I feel you. I did not get cute either. Kay wins the award for showing up put together. <laughs> Yay. Tay. I had
2: today, so I had no
1: choice.
2: <laughs> I had to get out of bed. But it's so real what you're saying about the rest and the need to really be in tune with your body and understand your energy needs because some days I, I'm i just like, okay, no, we are not getting out of bed today. We are not going to try to get dressed today. It doesn't make sense. We are working from bed if we can, and we're not working at all if we can. And that's just something I had to learn. And it was hard to learn because I grew up like, needing to work. I grew up with a mother who worked all the time. I didn't know anything but working and but activity so I had to really recontextualize what work and joy and balance meant in my life.
0: That's an interesting point. I was just with my family last week because my brother graduated from basic school for the military and my family does not know how to chill. They literally have zero chill. And I have had some health issues lately, and I probably should not have gone to D.C. Like, I'm going to put that disclaimer out there. I realized about halfway to D.C. that I was like, this was a bad idea, and I should have stayed at home, in bed, but <laughs> you know what? This only happens once. So I'm going to go and support my family and support my brother. But with that being said, I get there and it's like, go, 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 go. That's everything with my family. There's no downtime. And I had to tell my family, like, I I can't. And I've never done that before. And I'm finally starting to put those boundaries in place, even with my own self. Like this morning, Brooke, like you, I woke up not feeling so hot. So I was like, I'm gonna stay in bed because I have to record tonight. So I'm not gonna do anything this morning. You know, it's it's learning that balance. What I'd like to hear from you guys is what boundaries have you guys put in place to help situate your chronic health issues and still be able to live life and get everything done?
2: Uh, I have so many. <laughs> it's hard to narrow it down because boundaries are possibly the most important thing when you have a chronic illness. Is understanding what you can and can't do. So with work, I never book more than two meetings in a day because I know that that's not something that I can do, and I would two to three days a week because working every day is going to lead me to flare-up. It's going to make it so that I can't do other things in my life and I can't show up for my friends and my family. So that is a hard boundary that I put in with work and having time between my sessions because I do a lot of things with people in my work. So it's really important for me to be able to Discharge that energy and rest a little bit, take a little walk outside and just kind of calm my nervous system before I jump back into another session. That is really, really important. And with friends and family, a big boundary that I had to learn is how to say no to things that I'm infected to, how to say, I'm sorry, I just can't do that right now. I love you. And I'm really appreciate that you excited me. But my body is not capable of doing that.
1: That's a hard one. It's really hard to learn, especially if you're like a high capacity person. Like I think about who I was prior to my illness. I never had to say no. I could, I, I floored it, you know, and then I would crash for a couple of days and be ready to go again. Now, if I floor it, I feel it for well, month, weeks, months, <laughs> um, yeah. my my therapist is always like, so we're working on pacing, Brooke. We're working on pacing your schedule. Uh, and I preach it to Aaron. That's too. <laughs> hilarious because I
0: literally got a message from Amanda, who is one of the healers that I work with. I just tuned into your energy. Are you pacing yourself? And I'm like, come on
1: now.
2: Aaron. it's hilarious how all of us are telling you that you need to slow down
1: (laughs) and I hate saying slow down because for me my brain never stops and so I don't I don't use that I don't say I need to slow down because that doesn't work for me it makes me feel like I'm less than or not capable of stuff and I'm still just as capable of doing the things I love and contributing to the world in a positive way just because I have chronic issues doesn't mean I have to like whatever. So, um, I'm trying to learn this, like, Tay, those are such good work boundaries. And I'm trying to learn what my sustainable pace is for work, life, family, music balance, because performing in music gives me energy. Coaching gives me a different kind of energy. Um, I, I know I'm helping someone. I see, I see breakthroughs happen because of that but then I need different types of rest from those two things. And so like knowing I need to have music in my life this many days a week and coach this many days. I also don't do more than two meetings a day (laughs) and I want to complete my work when I'm doing it. So like, even with I teach voice lessons also, even with that, I leave space between lessons to finish my notes about that client before I move on. Because I don't know how I'm going to be in an hour. <laughs> like that's too hard to predict. <laughs> that's that's so true. And for me, I
0: I would forget. If, if I didn't do it immediately, chances are I'd feel like crap two hours later. And then I would forget exactly what I was
1: thinking at the end of that lesson. So keep going. So. Yeah, that's part of the brain fog thing. Like some days I don't have words. They don't come out right. And I'm trying to be more open about that with people. (laughs) Like I promise, I promise I'm smart. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have a good brain. It just doesn't work. (laughs) And so it's that, and I want to be a successful chronic illness business owner. And part of that for me is the responsibility of modeling what I teach. And so if I can't pace, if I can't rest, if I have a hard time saying, no, that's a full sentence. I don't have to explain why. I could just say, no, or I could be like Phoebe on Friends and she goes, oh, I totally would, but I don't want to. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, those are the things that are like really of value to me. Like, I got to model this. How do I model it well?
0: The practice what you preach thing is so important. It's it's so hard But it's so important just in life in general. What I would like to know now, because you both brought up a lot of really good boundaries, I am currently working on that. The other end of what I'm working on are self-care rituals. Because if you can make it a habit or make it a part of a routine, you're more likely to be consistent with it. So for me, I have weaned myself off of all medications. I'm really proud of that. If you would have asked me eight years ago, I would tell you that I was on 21 different medications a day. And I have completely weaned off of everything but I have found natural remedies to help in the areas that I still need work in. And so I've built that into a routine and that has helped me. So that's why I was thinking you guys probably have some really good self-care rituals that could help people. Brooke,
1: you want to share some of yours? I think it's cute that people think I have like Really great self-care rituals. Uh, No, because I do, but I also like am really distractible. And so like building rituals into my schedule is really important to me just because I forget things. And so when I'm adding a new habit, I tie it to a habit that I'm already doing so that it always goes together. So it's wake up, take my meds, like they're on the nightstand, they're ready to go, water's there that and I have an app that tracks my medication. I push the button to tell it I took it. So like so when it comes to self-care, like number one primary is take my meds on time cuz the time matters for I mean suppression. And I live for like a bubble bath. Like uh, if I if I am stressed, if I am have need to, need to think about stuff. I'm like, I'm getting in the bath and everybody in my house knows like, oh, she's got to process some things. She's like a mermaid. (laughs) Uh, And so I'm sitting there like with my candles and my different types of meditations and like checking in with my body and seeing what what chakras are out of alignment and what needs work. And like, that's, that's number one. And then I think because of my family dynamic, having kids is really tricky with a chronic illness because you can't always listen to your body to its fullest extent. Even when you have a fantastic partner, um, like your kids' needs are going to come and interrupt your plans. And so for me, it is noticing when I'm with them and I'm getting dysregulated because of my own like pain or trauma, or like, I'm just shutting down to tell them mom needs, mom needs 10 minutes in her room and I'll come back. And and that, like, just to go into a quiet place, focus on my breath, get my nervous system regulated again before I go back. Because I'm I'm not a good mom if I'm not regulated. I'm unhelpful. I'm cranky. People do not want to be around me, including me. And I can't escape me. I'm, like, stuck with me forever. So it's those kind of things and being aware of what I need, um, which is not, wasn't my plan. Like, I did not plan to become an introvert as I got older. <laughs> And I need a lot of space to process my feelings. Part of that is because I'm healing and rewiring parts of my brain, it's wearing me out. And when I'm by myself, I can think my own thoughts. I'm not factoring other people in. So one of the things is like, I know I need 24 hours to myself every month or two, that I can choose what I do with that time. I don't have to report to anyone. I don't have to do anything for anybody else. And sometimes it can look like getting a hotel room and getting a massage. Sometimes it could look like sleeping for 24 hours. Sometimes it's like, I want to go into the city and like feel the energy of the people and like whatever. But it's, it's a time where I totally get to tune in to like, what does Brooke need right now? And it's like the best thing ever. 10 out of 10 recommend. <laughs>
0: 24 hours all alone sounds magical. Tay how about you?
2: I feel like I have quite a few self-care rituals and this whole journey of chronic illness really forced me to focus on how I care for myself. One of the biggest things I did was I got rid of my morning alarm and I know not everybody can do that but I realized that every morning that I woke up with an alarm I woke up feeling dysregulated i woke up like i was jolted and it just set a really horrible tone for the rest of my day so i stopped i no longer use it i allow my body to wake up when it does or when my cat wakes me up and i go with it like that i just allow myself to have that slow morning and I read, I, to me gratitude, I take a long shower and I start my day really slowly and allow myself to just go with the flow of the day instead of rushing. Because I feel like in the society that we live in, there's this need to be fast paced and this need to rush. And I really started pulling back and reclaiming the words slow because like you Brooke I did not like it at the start but I consciously started reclaiming it as something that I wanted in my life as something that was opposite to this rush that we're always in and aside from that I track my pain I have a pain tracker on my phone so I track what my cycle day is, and what kind of pain I'm experiencing that day. And I also don't take medication myself. I was on medication for a really long time and it started to impact my body. So I also moved to more natural alternatives when I could. And I have like a routine of what I would take in the morning. I cut down on caffeine because on a morning, caffeine just doesn't do my body well, same with the alarm. So I'll have more herbal teas, natural foods, that sort of thing has really helped me to tune back into my body and really nourish it the way that it needs to be nourished.
0: So Tay has
2: worked with me
0: on human design. I don't know if... Those of you listening have ever heard of human design, but it is an amazing tool. Kay, why don't you explain it to everybody? You're the expert. I'm not even going to try to explain this, but it is really beneficial specifically for people with chronic health issues. Why don't you go ahead and share?
2: The easiest way I would describe human design is similar to astrology, but more based in science so it mixes the ancient sciences the chakra system the astrology part with things like biochemistry and epigenetics and it creates this map of your energy that gives you like amazingly detailed information about yourself and one of these things is your diet your digestion and how you're meant to eat. And I started eating according to my human design. I realized I was eating very very differently to how I was meant to eat. I was doing the traditional three meals a day, sit down at the table, you know, that's how I grew up eating. But when I looked into my human design, I realized I was meant to eat smaller meals on the go and usually with my hands so I changed my diet I call it my autistic friendly diet because I am autistic I have ADHD and it's like I eat like a toddler so I have like a lot of finger fluids and I don't like my foods to touch each other but that has changed completely the way that my Gut processes food and it's taken a lot of pressure off of my digestive system.
0: It's insane how deep human design goes and how much it tells you about yourself. Brooke, have you ever done human design or looked into your chart? I have
1: not, and I'm like so ready to. I think it's amazing.
0: Well, uh, you and Tay can chat afterwards, but it's one of those things where I love it. I got hooked, thanks to Tay, I am hooked. And I started, after doing a reading with Tay, I started following My Human Design and that actually helped me to start processing my food a little bit better. There's a lot of things with human design that it can tell you and it can change your life. I won't go too deep into that, but just trust me. You should look into it. The thing that I want to talk about next, I wanted to kind of get this context out up front because the last half of what we're going to talk about is like the meat and potatoes of why this conversation is important for this particular podcast. I want to talk about spiritual bypassing. Now, if you've ever had serious health issues and you have been at all in church, then you have probably experienced spiritual bypassing. I would say probably everybody has experienced it at least once in their life even if they don't have chronic health issues. It just tends to show up whenever people have chronic health issues. But if you're unaware of what spiritual bypassing is, the definition is focusing on positive thoughts and emotions by using spiritual or emotional platitudes to undermine, deny, dismiss, or sidestep someone's uncomfortable or painful emotions. Spiritual bypassing is a way of hiding behind spirituality or spiritual practices. It prevents people from acknowledging what they are feeling and distances them from both themselves and others. So I want to ask you guys, have you ever experienced spiritual bypassing? And I would love to know if you have, if you you can share the story, share as much or as little, as you would like. But how did it make you feel in that moment? Because I want people to get how someone that has experienced this chronic health issue that is serious, potentially life-threatening, and then they get spiritually bypassed. Like, I want to get people to understand how we feel when this happens. Brooke, would you like to go
1: first? Sure. I was uh, trying to listen to you and also, like, remembering more more times that has happened in my life um, because the term spiritual bypassing is relatively new and trendy. Um, and so it's like, I didn't even know what was happening when I was feeling that way and when things happened. With my health, this is the first time I really recognized like, okay, I am processing a lot of feelings. I'm not used to processing negative emotions. So like for me to feel like I needed to grieve or that I was scared and that I was angry, like I innately tried to turn those off before anyone else came around. And then like a lot of well-intentioned people who love me would come visit me while I'm in the hospital and say things to either me or my parents, like, you know, we've been praying for your healing maybe, maybe you're not crying enough. Maybe you don't believe enough. And it's like, that seems stupid. <laughs> I remember thinking like the God that I know and the God that I love is not going to punish me in this way. And then people, you know, saying things like, if you had more faith. And so it, it became this, like in my brain, I remember thinking like the things people were saying to me and what I knew to be true about God did not line up. They didn't align anymore. And so I started kind of questioning like, okay, like do I know the same God these people know? What, what are they getting from telling me this? And I think so much of it is that so, so many things have been taboo over the years to discuss. That when it comes to any really difficult conversation, spiritual bypassing is the easiest route to talk about. You know, when you know everything happens for a reason, you know, like things that are just the platitudes that people say with good intentions. But I'm in the hospital, I'm dying and waiting for someone else to die so that I can stay alive. Like that's a lot to process all on its own. I remember going, how am I supposed to pray? Am I supposed to pray for someone to die so I can be alive? Like, how how do you pray for this? And then people saying really stupid things, like you don't have enough faith. I'm like, you don't even understand the complexity of the things I'm dealing with. The pain, the emotional stuff, just the, the battle in my head to be like, okay, like I believe my life is valuable but I also like cannot in good conscience pray for, pray for a donor because I believe every life is valuable. Like, what do I do with that? I didn't have conversations with those people because I didn't have the language yet to even express. Like, like now I would be like, are you freaking kidding me? (laughs) that's, That's what I would say. And I would just like, it wouldn't even bother me. But in that moment, it was like this 20 year old kid, questioning everything and also like knowing I might not live more than a week. So the doctors told me and like figuring out like I had my own stuff going on and it's very hurtful to have people with good intentions. Like even if, even if their intentions are good, like the impact was not good. And I talk a lot about intent versus impact and that impact matters. And so like, it, just, it felt like soul crushing to me that people who were, re, ha, you know, wanted to talk to me and encourage me and cheer me up were minimizing the fact that I'm dying and I'm trying to figure out like, what what is this, what is my body doing? Why is it doing this? Why have I been healthy my whole life and all of a sudden this? What, like, what do you what do you do with that? I don't even have word sports still because it's like, I'm appalled that people would say that. And it was a type of hurt that I've never experienced until that moment. Well, thank you for sharing.
0: You hit the nail on the head in so many different ways, but you're you're absolutely right when you say it's a different kind of hurt. For me, my experience was that a family member, a close family member had said, well, if you would have more faith, you wouldn't have this illness, or you wouldn't be needing this treatment, or, you know, I've had multiple conversations. And it's just disheartening. Because I know that they think that they're saying it in love, but what it's actually doing is putting guilt and shame on you in a moment that we do not need it. All we need right. in that moment is, I love you and I'm praying for you. That's all we need. And I think sometimes when it comes to spiritual bypassing, it happens because people don't know what to say, they don't That's know exactly how what to, it is, they don't know how to respond. And they would rather give you some convoluted, canned response than actually process the fact that you could be dying.
1: Right. And so instead, they put it on you and give you some happy sentence.
0: Right. Yes, exactly. It's it's a whole mess. Tay, have you ever
2: experienced spiritual bypassing? Oh, definitely. I've experienced it on the family end and... Also being part of the spiritual world where everybody talks about raising your vibration and then focusing on the positive and all of these things. And it just doesn't hold space for your experience. Now, for me, in Trinidad and Tobago, we have a dual healthcare system. So we have free public healthcare and then we also have private healthcare so I would have gone to a private hospital and had one of my surgeries and after that I ended up with some serious complications that left me with a chronic pain syndrome and left me questioning whether I'd even be able to have kids and I had to deal with that reality at 28 years old I'm like am I going to ever be able to have a family? And that filled me with a lot of anger because I had to move from the private healthcare system because at this point I was out of money and I had to go into the public healthcare system, which is really under-resourced here. And the treatment that you get in the public healthcare system is... Really, not good. I was waiting weeks and months for simple scans and simple tests because that's how under resourced our public healthcare system is. And I would have people outside of this country who didn't understand the context of living in a small island state like I do telling me that, well, if you're angry at the healthcare system, you're not going to get better because your anger is keeping you sick. And what do you say to that? How do you respond to that? I got
1: a few choice words. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't remember if we can cuss on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I try to leave
0: everything but the F-bomb, you know. I don't... My mom and grandma listens, but...
2: (laughs) What just
0: went through my mind was a few expletives.
2: <laughs> I feel like now, looking back on it, there are many things that I would say. But in that moment, when you're still so vulnerable and looking for that support, because the reason that I would have been speaking to the spiritual people is because I would be doing these meditations and doing these healings to really try and regulate my nervous system to help my healing process. And then the people who you're trusting to heal you are the same people who are telling you those things. And in that moment, it's like so vulnerable. It's so raw that I just did not know what to say. And I just froze because how do I explain the reality of being a black woman? in the Caribbean who had a lot of savings and lost them all, lost her job to this chronic illness. And then how somebody in a global North country tell me, well, you're just not believing hard enough. You're just not being positive enough. You need to raise your vibration and your illness will go away. Well, my br- vibration is really high and I'm still ill. <laughs> <laughs> And that was the reality that I faced early on in this journey, being in the spiritual community.
0: Yeah, the spiritual community and the church community, it's the same crap, different label. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, sorry, not sorry. It's the truth. A lot of oral tradition in gaslighting and spiritual bypassing that just gets passed down from either one mentor to the next, to all of their people, or one guru to the next, or one influencer pastor to his congregation. And it's a horrible cycle and it's really gotta go. That's why I really wanted to have this conversation about spiritual bypassing, because like Brooke said, it's a very trendy word, but people don't know what it is and they need to hear how it affects people. Because like I said, a lot of times people don't know what to say. Here's what you say. I love you, I'm praying for you, or I love you. If you don't pray, then say, I'm hoping that you come through this, something encouraging and uplifting. Leave the spiritual bypassing comments and the fake niceties
2: to the side. Or you ask a question, people so don't know what to say that they don't even ask about your experience. They won't even say, You know, I don't understand. I see that you're hurting. Help me understand. Can you tell me what you need? Can you tell me how I can help? Is there any way you're looking for my help? Or are you just looking for someone to listen? I think it's so important to ask those questions when you have people with chronic illness in your life, because a simple question of how can I support you? How can I hold space for you can completely change the conversation. You don't have to say anything. You can let us speak. That's so good.
1: (laughs) It's so good. And I think what I learned is like when people would ask what I needed, I didn't know. And so one of the things that's been really great for me is because I tend to talk a lot, you know, when people want to know how they can help or they don't know what to say, or they say, you know, give me some spiritual bypassing stuff. I assume the best in them, that they really want to be helpful. And, you know, I said, when I don't know what I need, a DoorDash gift card without asking will help my family. I don't even need you to make the food in your own kitchen. Like literally just email me a DoorDash gift card or, you know, ask if you can come sit with me or take my kids on an adventure. Because I'm, because of my own personal experience, I'm really good at like sitting with people in crisis. I'm very comfortable in that space in grief and in hospitalizations. And, you know, I don't feel the need to talk. Like, I'm like, I'm here. I'm just going to sit with you. And if you want to share anything, you let me know. Or if you just want me to go get some ice chips, I'll go do that. But I know a lot of people don't have life experience that makes them comfortable in that space and everybody's not wired that way. And so I love, I love the question you asked, Tay, like, yeah, when people don't know what to say, I think they're even afraid to like say the wrong thing. So they're afraid to say like, how are you feeling today? Like what, what's go, what's actually going on? And instead of asking those authentic questions that they want. They're, they're too afraid. And then I'm like, oh, but if you ask me, I can set a boundary. Like I'm an adult person. So if you ask something I don't want to talk about, I'm happy to say, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. But in general, having more trust with each other to just be authentic. Like I had a couple of really great friends who just, you know, like, why are you here? We don't understand what's going on. And I explained it to them and then they were like, oh, okay. And so then people would like got my house cleaned while I was in the hospital or like, I'm like, people are creative. Like we're all born with this creativity. Why aren't we applying it to, to people who have chronic illness needs? Because the truth of it is just like any crisis, we're going to see a taper off of the people who stick around long-term. So, you know, you lose a loved one or you have something chronic, which means forever. So people saying get better soon doesn't necessarily help you either because you're like, ah, it's chronic. (laughs) Thank you anyway. (laughs) This is is my life. Um, Come
2: back tomorrow. (laughs) Come back
0: tomorrow and say it again. I feel like for me, because I, I have to get blood transfusions every so often and People don't understand it, and that's okay. I don't feel like I have to explain myself. That's something that I think is a key point here for people that do have chronic illness. You don't have to ever explain yourself if you don't want to. There are things that I do not share on my podcast. There are things that I don't share in my business. There are things that I don't share on social media because it's on a need-to-know basis, and you don't need to know. Mm -hmm. And that is completely fine that's one of those boundary things that we talked about like you can know the extent of what you're willing to share but you know as i mentioned earlier i made a choice early on in my chronic health issues journey that i wasn't going to let people in i shut down that that because i didn't know how to process anything i just froze And now that I'm learning how to regulate my nervous system, now that I'm learning how to process my emotions in a healthy way, that means that I'm having to let people in. And it sucks. I hate it. I hate (laughs) it. (laughs) I hate it so much because it was so much easier to just shut everybody out. And now like, One of the times that I was in the hospital, there was a guy that was with me and I was like, please just sit there in the corner. And he's like, no, what do you, what, can I get you anything? Can I? And I'm like, ah, like everything inside of me is like, shut them out, shut them out, shut them out. But whenever you're living in a healthy emotional space, it's like, no, you can let your guard down. You can let people in. It's safe. And whenever we have chronic health issues, that's all we really want, I think, is just to feel safe. I think that's just life in general, but specifically in these kinds of situations. Something that I haven't touched on that I wanna touch on real fast. Brooke, you and I worked in church, and when you have chronic illness and you are a staff member of a church, it is a whole different experience. Uh, do you yeah. have anything you'd like to share from your experience working in church, dealing with it?
1: I mean, I worked in church for a very long time. I'm old enough to say that now. And I'm very open about my health. I don't ever feel pressured to be, but I, I just like to, people to know like, why my life looks a little bit different. There have been times where like, leaders above me that their, their version of encouragement was like to have the church come and, and pray and lay hands on me for healing. They never asked questions about my health. They didn't understand what it meant to be in my shoes. You know, for seven or eight years, my husband and I were both on staff at the same time. And I never experienced it from peers or people I led because I lead The way I lead is just, I'm here, like, ask me anything. But the people in leadership above me said hard words, very similar to what was said in the hospital. And it carried more weight for me because they are like the spiritual leaders that we were all supposed to be able to look to. And their solution to my chronic health issue was, you know, Jesus. (laughs) Like, (laughs) just Jesus. (laughs) Just, have you prayed about it? Um, Have you... Have you tried yoga? <laughs> I'm like, I used to be a yoga instructor. Of course, I've tried yoga. Have you tried essential oils? I'm like, yes, I used to sell essential oils. Like, like the Christian tried all the things. Yes, um, I, I want to be like. Have you tried listening to people? Ooh. Like, have you tried, you know, being curious and leading with curiosity instead of some platitude statement that can be turned into a meme, like come on now. It's just like, don't, why would you do that to people? Why would you expect people to want to work here? Or why would your church grow? When, like you said, Aaron, all we want is to feel safe and you never feel fully safe. Like, because you don't, our bodies are unpredictable, like more than the average body. I got commended for things I shouldn't have been commended for, like getting out of the hospital on a Saturday and leading worship on a Sunday, which is my Ego and people pleasiness, like at its peak. Oh, been there, done that, <laughs> right? And I take full ownership of my own decisions in that. But the the pra- the public praise of me doing something for the church for God after dealing with an illness where I should have taken care of my body and rested. Like it fed me to be like, yeah, this is this is it. This is how you get them to. To see, like, you, you're going to overcome your chronic illness. I'm like, really? I'm not. <laughs> and that's not negative or positive. Like, it just it is it's my life. And I want to figure out how my, my quality of life could be better. And part of that for me is not working at a church and not being around people who don't get it or don't try to get it. If you're willing to try to understand this spiritual bypassing, this manipulation, like, I can work with that but I don't have any desire to teach people who don't want to be taught.
0: I have a feeling that there's a lot more than just us that have experienced the get out of the hospital on Saturday and we're up on stage at soundcheck at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning. And that is a hard life, and I'm happy that that life is over for me and for you. But that people pleaser thing has to go away when you have chronic illness.
2: I just wanted to add, so I didn't teach in the church or work in the church, but being in such a Christian country, it's like everywhere you go, everywhere you turn, somebody has something to say I had family members after I had my surgeries and I became ill with this chronic pain syndrome telling me, well, have you gone back to church yet? Because at this point I was out of the church. So have you gone back to church yet? I had people recommend that I go see an exorcist because it was a demon causing my chronic pain. Not a lifelong illness that I've been living with since I was in my teens, since I was a kid. I had those kinds of things said to me by family members, by acquaintances, by co workers. I had co workers invite me into prayer circles so that the chronic pain would leave me, which was just wildly inappropriate on so many different levels and yeah. So it's, it's definitely not the same experience as working in the church, but it's just as inescapable. It's everywhere around you and just like you, I had to really set those boundaries about who I was willing to speak with and allow into my space. Because if you were just going to tell me to go pray away or to go ask God to get a blessing from a priest so that my illness will magically evaporate from my body, then I wasn't willing to do the work of explaining my situation. But if you were willing to sit with me and ask me, What is your experience like? How are you dealing with this? Is there any way I can help? Then I was willing to do that work.
0: That's a very, very good point. I think my last question, which I feel like it's already kind of been stated, but if we can leave the listeners with any advice, some parting wisdom around. What would be the best way for somebody to approach when they're being spiritual bypassed?
2: Any takers? I think for me, the most important thing is to reaffirm yourself and your own experience. Because when we're being spiritually bypassed, sometimes we can get into this mode of, maybe it isn't that bad. Maybe I can try these things. And when you're chronically ill, especially in the depth of your situation, you might be looking for those solutions and willing to try anything. Like I know I was willing to try anything at one point just to get relief. So I would say, oh, maybe I should just pray and see what happens. But it's really important, and it became really important for me to reaffirm my experience and say, no, this is what I'm dealing with. This is real. I feel it every day. I have all of the doctor's visits and the scans and the blood tests and the hospitalizations to prove it. This is a part of my life. It doesn't mean anything is wrong with me, but I'm not gonna let somebody tell me that this isn't real. That was so important.
1: Mm -hmm. I say, as you were talking today, because before I was like, "Mm, I don't know what I'm going to say. For me, I was learning to look inward instead of outward and trust my own instincts um, without needing to consult anyone else. Once you trust your own voice and know who you are, it's so much easier when people say stupid shit to just let it roll off your back because I know it's not true. Like I, I know that I've tried the things, I'm, do, I'm taking the next steps I need to take right now in this moment. And I don't owe people an explanation for why I'm not better. Like, you know, go pick on somebody different. <laughs> Look in the mirror. I think if I were sitting down with like one of my coaching clients, and they were talking about being spiritually bypassed. We would practice saying some phrases that were direct and like that they had memorized and ready for when someone says something to them because arguing is not going to change their mind and it will drain you so fast to argue. (laughs) So let's say, you know, someone says, well, you know, everything happens for a reason okay, walk away. Like, (laughs) okay is not agreeing with them. It is acknowledging that they spoke. And then you don't owe them more conversation. And people think you're being maybe, you know, short or like whatever, but you don't have to have that conversation. You don't owe that to anyone. Or if someone tells you, you know, you need more prayer, you should go check out this healing room or, you know, maybe you need more faith. Thank you. Like, I feel like when you know your voice, you can be polite unless they're rude to you and then you can, you know, decide what you want to do personally. But you can be polite and direct and walk away and that is the end of the conversation. But it's a practice. It's something where you like look in the mirror at yourself and you say it. No is a complete sentence. I can say, thank you. I can say, okay. And then affirm your own voice over and over practicing affirmations daily that remind you that you're powerful and strong and that you don't have to do anything to bring something to this world. It's not about your health or your wellness, just your, your existence matters.
2: I love what you said about just saying, okay, because that's been really helpful to me as well. Just being like, okay, and walking your because you're so right. You don't have the energy to
0: you. all are funny because I can't just say, okay, I want to cuss yes, somebody out. I, I want edu- to educate them and be like, do you understand that you just spiritually bypassed me? Do you know what spiritual bypassing is? Do you understand that that's emotional and spiritual abuse? Like, I want to go off. Well, I want to
1: do that too, Erin. But... <laughs> Don't waste your energy on one person because you have a platform where you can talk about it like this and touch multiple people and save your energy and your sanity. You can do this. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can say, okay, sarcastically. That's what I like to do because I'm a little sassy. And <laughs> if I just say, okay, then maybe you'll think that you're right. So I'm like, okay, like, okay, John.
1: This, this. Sure. okay karen bye <laughs> exactly yeah well thank you
0: guys so much this episode was great and i know that it's going to help a lot of people out there because again i know it's not just us that have dealt with this and make sure you go to our show notes to see how you can connect with tay and brooke and we will catch you in the next episode Thank you for listening to the Touchy Subjects podcast. If you would like more information about what we do and who we are and how you can get involved, check out our website, www.letstalktouchysubjects.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Let's Talk Touchy Subjects. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.